piped into episode 126. I look at some of these podcasts and I go, how do they have so many episodes? And now I'm part of one of those podcasts where there's just so many episodes. I can't wait to get into this particular uh, conversation today in our feature interview brought to you by Sensorina. Jack LaFontaine, the Mike Richter Award winner, will stop by and uh, presented by the Hockey Shop, Source for Sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com. Our gear segment uh, will tackle the true TF9 goalie skate. It's off the rack and it's uh, ready for you. Officially launched. I can't wait uh, to talk about uh, the true development and the progression of the skate as we bring in the co-founders of InGoal Magazine. Here's Kevin Woodley and David Hutchison. That's a record because Kevin Woodley was doing the, can I just chime in a little bit before I even introduced him? That, that's what he was doing. You, you may have not have witnessed it, Hutch, but. I was sensing a segue to talk <laughs> about our friends at the hockey shop and the hockey right out of the gate. Get it out of the way as we tease the new TF9 goalie skate. Because where else are you going to buy it? You may have, you know, like it was tough, right? With a true goalie skate in the past, everything was custom only. You needed to have that scan done on your foot. So in terms of if you're not blessed like I am to live in the lower mainland and live in the Vancouver area, Hutch, short ferry ride over from the island. Much nicer. It was tough to buy a true goalie skate from thehockeyshop.com from a distance because it was custom only. You couldn't, you know, you had to have that scan done. You can't really do that over the computer. So we have got a solution for you. We've been rolling out all these new uh, equipment lines and we have more coming over the coming weeks um, here at InGoal Radio, the podcast with our friends at the hockey shop. And the new Truescade is the latest in that new release line. It actually comes out today as we record this. And for the first time, you're going to be able to buy a skate off the wall from true when you walk into the goalie skate department or in the case of people who don't live here you're going to be able to buy your skate from the hockeyshop.com a true skate without needing to go through that whole custom molding process and get it shipped to you and have a skate that fits so uh, exciting times for the true skate department uh exciting times at the hockeyshop.com and like i said just one of many last week it was we talked about the bauer um, Pro Elite and GSX skates, uh, all the different lines there. Uh, we've got new skates. We've got new sticks coming out in the coming weeks. Um, new, all the new gear that's out. And there's only one place to find all your information about the latest gear. That's thehockeyshop.com. If you've got questions, Cam will give you the number later in the show. If you've got questions and you think you want to know more online, we don't talk about this. Their reviews are excellent. They don't just list you know, the product they have on there, when new product comes in, they take the time to get it on the ice, take some photos and write a quick review to give you a sense of how it plays and how is it how it feels. Um, make sure you check them out at thehockeyshop.com. I have questions about the uh, TF9 skate. I'm going to wait and see if they are all answered through the gear segment with Cam and Woody. And if they're not, then I'm going to pipe them over to uh, Woody to see if they can uh, be taken care of. So just letting you know right now that there's uh there's I, i'm just more curious about the off the rack versus the custom and what the difference is and uh, a lot of the different uh uh angles that uh, that are obviously uh, a little bit uh outside of what we're used to with the uh, true skate uh, we also have a vesna trophy winner from uh last week as we acknowledge mark andre Fleury winning the award for the first time in his career, 17th season, 36 years of age, and a quick comment from both uh, Woody and 
Hutch on Marc-Andre Fleury, and then we'll get into the voting. I have never in my life bet on anything around sports. But Woody and I had a conversation that had me looking around to maybe put a few dollars down on Andre Vasilevsky winning the Vesna Trophy. Such was the strength of our convictions that the NHL general managers would go with the win category and not the guy that Woody will tell us all again was the deserving winner based on those advanced statistics that we get from ClearSight Analytics. And of course, we're all big fans of Marc-Andre Fleury. So I was thrilled to see him take the win home. And I was also thrilled that I still have never bet on anything relating to sports. But Woody, what did you think when you saw it? I was excited, first of all, because they got it right. Right. Like I was when I heard that he had won, I was out that night. So I wasn't able to sort of read through the results in the voting that they actually publish. But just the fact that he won, um, I was so pumped for Marc Andre Fleury. It was hard. Like we don't, we're supposed to be as sports writers, objective observers, right, Darren? But you cheer for people yeah, and this you cheer is a people's for people's win. Yeah. You cheer. I've always said this and I've sent this note to guys after they won the cup. Like, I wasn't cheering for like guys that I got to know while they were here in Vancouver and went on to win cups elsewhere. It's like, I wasn't cheering for your team, man, but I cheer for, I cheer for good stories. I love good stories as a writer and I cheer for good people. And I was cheering for Marc-Andre, not that Andre Vasilevsky isn't, that's, that's the one thing too here, fully deserving of all the votes. Like I just like, and I, I be honest with you, I think there's probably that's where sentiment won the day amongst the general managers is there's a lifetime achievement element to this, right? Like I say he was the best goalie this season and fully deserves the award based on the stats that we've run down. Paul Campbell wrote an excellent article at ingoalmag.com that you can read um, that basically lays out the case where why Marc-Andre Fleury is 100% the deserving winner. Um, There was probably an element of the other part like that they felt the same way. Like this is a good human being story, a guy who has come through so much not only does he deserve it based on the season he had as the best goalie in the NHL this year, but all these other things that, that we love about Marc-Andre Fleury, the career path. Now, I'm not willing, however, to let the general managers off the hook because they got it right for whatever reason, simply because when I looked at the voting, three guys didn't even have Andre Vasilevsky on their ballot. So again... I may have been, and the article and the numbers all said Mark Andre Fleury ahead of Andre Vasilevsky, but not by a margin where you don't even have him on your ballot. What were you watching? What numbers are you looking at that Andre? Va- and the irony, of course, is last year I would have told you what were you looking at uh, that Andre Vasilevsky deserved to be in the final three, and the answer, of course, is wins, and that's almost always what they vote on. This year, they went off the board and didn't go straight wins. Flower gets his Vesna, but I would love to know which three did not include Vasilevsky and love to hear what reasoning they had for it because I hammered them for having him third last year and I'm hammering those three for not having them on the ballot this year. And the truth is, if all three are second place votes, as they probably should have been, um, we might be having a different conversation about who won the Vesna and be mad for a different reason. So at the end of the day, I'm mad no matter what. Yeah. But I am happy for Marc-Andre Fleury. We're used to that. Uh, first place votes, it was really close. 14 for Marc-Andre Fleury and 12 for Andre Vasilevsky. And the next best was uh, Philip Grubauer and Connor Hellebuck, who both received two first place votes. Uh, your top five in the Vesna voting this year were Fleury, Vasilevsky, Grubauer, 
Ben Hellebuck and Semyon Varlamov also receiving consideration. UC Soros, who actually received uh, attention on eight ballots this year, and that's uh, uh, pretty significant. And Mike Smith, who uh, received a couple of third place votes. So a couple of people listened to the Ingle Radio podcast when we did the episode and we talked about who was going to finish there. And, but at the end of the day, um, you know, and we argued on the Grubauer thing a couple of weeks ago, and we've had that discussion. Like all those names you mentioned legitimately could have had third yeah, place they deserve votes. to be there. Yeah. Soros, Grubauer, uh, Mike Smith, too. Like they all you could make legitimate arguments a little bit that they're on your ballot for a third place vote. But ahead of Vasilevsky. Hellebuck too, under, under, like that would have been my third place guy. But ahead of Vasilevsky and ahead of Flower, that's man. Those are arguments that I'd love to see them make. But they got it right. So can you not just sit back and and, and I, enjoy the moment because the never, end result, uh, the the path may not be perfect, but the result was. So we're yeah okay. Listen, they got it. I'm happy. Mm-hmm. I'm happy. They got it right by, in some cases, a bit of an accident. Like, three guys screwed it up so badly that they got it right. Like, okay, I'm happy. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Like, throw the confetti. I'm literally, if we, had a, if we did this on YouTube, I'd be throwing confetti in the air right now. I'm trying to do it with my hands. But, again, the only reason it happened is because three guys were so far off that it didn't affect, it didn't screw it up. So at the end of the day, we celebrate the win. Uh, we celebrate the small victory that is the NHL general managers by purpose or accident getting Mark andre Fleury their peasant trophy win. And I guess I should just be happy. It was a two-horse race, though. When you look, end up looking at the, at the voting, it, there, there was nobody, even with Philip Grubauer, I honestly thought he'd be closer uh, when the voting came out uh, than he was. But uh, it was 108 points. For Flurry, Vasilevsky had 99, and then it dropped all the way down to 36 for Grubauer. Yeah. So, uh, and what? How many votes? How many points for a thir- second place vote? Three. That I don't know. So it's you know. Anyways, at the end of the day, like you said, it was a two horse race, and the fact that three people missed one of the horses. You were trying completely- to loop back around to that whole uh, argument again for a third <laughs> time, weren't you? That's what you're trying to go, do. I, I, well, yeah, because three guys screwed it up. Yeah. So I'm gonna like listen, listen. The P the P Professional Hockey Writers Association, which I'm not even a part of anymore because I work for the NHL, so I don't get a vote. And frankly, it's a lot of work because when I did get a vote, I put a lot of time and effort into mm-hmm. it. You don't get paid for it. You just you just want to get it right. But there's a transparency there, right? In terms of they I believe they publish the votes now. So you want to make sure you put the effort in. And I've seen some writers get absolutely hammered for revealing, you know, Lady Bing and stuff like that, and then like just get hammered online. So I'm not willing to completely let the three general managers off the hook. I've beat the drum that they don't do this Look, right most of the years. Compared to the, but I don't, to the Jack Adams Award uh, this year, where I, I agree with the winner in Rod Brindamore, but a couple of coaches that didn't make the playoffs got votes, which I was blown away by, and one coach got fired, and he still got votes. Uh, so uh, I think compared to that and what the broadcasters did, the general managers nailed this thing. Uh, with a well, with a one two with Andre Vasilevsky well, and Mark Andre Fleury, despite your protests, don't get me started with the uh, general manager of the year award. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that uh, award because it, it takes into account to what happens in the first couple of rounds of the playoffs. 
with the with the GM of the year award. That one is uh, is there's a little bit more flexibility on it. I'll give you that. Okay, thank you. Uh, Hutch is just sitting should. back, going, "Why? Why are you guys like you guys agree on this? Why are you even arguing? I'm enjoying this. It's, uh, I'm so, just so a, okay. So I did look it up. Show. You get three points for a second place vote. So if all three guys, so maybe I should let them off the hook here. If all three guys had given him the second place vote, it would have been a tie at 108. And mm-hmm. I believe Flower had more first place votes, which I think would break that tie. So they would have got it right anyway. So. My apologies to all the GMs. This is the only time you ever hear me say you should be allowed to keep voting, but you probably shouldn't be. So. Just those three guys can't. Just yeah, just take it. What do you want? Three guys expelled from the goalie vote. Uh, just yeah, just I I can't believe he rails on them, rails on them, and then they actually get it right, and they then he starts like micromanaging uh, the voting. Well, uh, flower. The the group got it right. The individuals got it wrong. That's okay. Uh, Thirty six years of age, and he joins a, an elite company. I mean they. You don't win too many uh, individual awards when you're past your mid-30s. And the other part of it is uh, it's his first ever individual award. And he wins the Jennings and the Vesna. I think he was already a lock for the Hall of Fame. But Hutch, uh, this makes it uh, a a really easy decision when he retires to uh, put him into that uh, hallowed hall and give him a plaque. Sort of puts an extra lock on it, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a a double lock door now. Gives him access to the VIP room. Oh, there you yeah. go. There you go. Maybe, maybe he'll get an extra large plaque now or something, too. <laughs> what, what, what if he adds an Olympic gold next year? That the part is, is really intriguing. I didn't think that there was a chance that he would be in, in the mix for that. No. Vesna, you can have a good, great year. And that's, that, that was impressive. Like He came out of nowhere to do that, especially uh, over the transition from the bubble uh, to where he is right now. But to be in the mix for the Olympic team, carry price, and then is it wide open? There's if you were going a year ago, you would have included names like uh, a Carter Hart would have been in the mix. There's there's significant work to do on that regard. Now and now you're looking at Mike Smith, who is 2014. He was on that team. Uh, you've got uh, uh, Mark Andre Fleury, who's on the 2010 team. Uh, uh, yeah, he's already got a goal. Yeah. I forgot about he's that. Got a goal. Didn't play, but but yeah. uh, with the with Luongo and uh, uh, Martin Brodeur. But like 2022, it's a real possibility if he comes out of the gate and plays to the level that we've witnessed uh, in this 56 game season. I uh, 100 percent absolutely. Yeah, I think we. I think you would expect that the only only competition would be Kerry and. A lot of people will probably be swayed by what they're seeing now, him being such a money goaltender. Um, but then what would a complicated puzzle given the regular seasons Carrie's had over the last couple of years, and they'll be choosing that goaltender based on, you know, how they start the season. Or or will they be choosing NHL goaltenders, guys? Yeah. yeah if if the NHL doesn't go, then I sure hope they are. The, I sure hope they are. Then the uh then the tournaments uh who knows what they're gonna do because and that's got a hockey Canada's uh, well, everybody, all the federations will be in in a pickle. Uh, Jordan Binnington, I'll throw his name uh, out there as well. Doug Armstrong's the general manager. He gets to watch Jordan Binnington. He watched Jordan Binnington uh, win a Stanley Cup. So uh, I'll put uh, sure. that name into the mix. But uh, Mark Andre Fleury, based on 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 the competition, based on uh, what he's done in the last year and uh, going forward, good on him. Hey, and based on the person he is, right. Right, because like at the world juniors levels, I'm not part of those conversations, but I've had the conversations about how the decisions were made, and 
that the tandem and how guys fit into it is part of that. Like, will this guy play that role? And you know that Marc-Andre Fleury, regardless, and we heard a lot about, and from Robin Lehner too, about the relationship amidst a lot of outside focus on who should have played and how they handled things. Their support for each other seemed to be genuine and as strong as, as you could imagine, and just genuine. And a big part of that is the people you're talking about. And Marc-Andre Fleury would go over there in whatever role and just be Marc-Andre Fleury. And that is always a positive. So here's the question. What if Carey Price gets off to the same regular season start next year that he had this year? Does he still go? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think he still goes, but boy, would it would be interesting just, to see what happens early based on performance yeah. because again, the playoffs that he's having right now follow a month off, not on purpose because of the concussion, but you know, time off seems to matter a lot and you know, this is something that we can get into in the future, but um, I think next year, we can talk about this more later, but I think next year is going to be harder on goaltenders, a lot harder on goaltenders than this year was. I know this was condensed. I know it was, you know, sometimes five, what, four or five games a week, but you are going to be looking next year at condensed schedule if they go to the Olympics and they still want to have an all-star game. It's in Vegas. You guys can come. Ooh. Yes. Can we cast him a large? Yep. Ooh, he might regret those words. Um, he's Darren's like, when is the border open? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you've got a condensed, you got both, you got both of those events. You've got a condensed schedule. No more number three goalies. No more staying in a town, the same town for multiple days. And sort of getting settled in a climate. Like, I think the demands on goaltenders next year are going to be even more severe than they were this year. You're not going to get practices off. You're not going to be able to pull the guy up from the taxi squad to take half the reps. Like, it is going to be a real grind and a real challenge. And for teams like Montreal, coming off of a shortened summer. What's wrong with you today? Uh, <laughs> Mr. Negative, totally. eh? like, like the, I got the my second just... shot. I got my second shot, which again should be a cause for celebration. Yeah. But my, you know, the tightness in the arm got into the oh, shoulder. Got stop, little nerve, little nerve just pain. Stop, you hypochondriac! Oh I'm my to, gosh! I'm trying to find a reason for being negative. I'm trying to find an excuse. I got a smile on my face the whole time today. <laughs> I wish I was the nurse in the vaccination center so I could have put saline into you and then watched you whine about how hard it hit you. I wish yeah, I was the, the the doctor or the nurse and I could just give him some kind of sedative uh, the way he's been <laughs> moaning. I, I just can't wait till we find out that two years from now is the hardest year yeah. ever on NHL well, goaltenders. Between, between the, so they got it right in the voting. Marc-Andre Fleury, you know, Woody wanted to win. He does win. He's not happy with that. Uh, now he's not happy with uh, with this year going off a 56-game schedule, which was so hard on goaltenders that he thinks it's going to be harder next year. Uh yeah, you. We better get to the you gear know, segment here you before know what, you, you know what like, would make me happy. Yeah, what would make me happy is a trip to Goalie Utopia. Well, that would be great, uh, and I would like to send you there right now, if uh, for no other reason than just to get you out of our grill for a couple of minutes and get some positivity. Uh, the 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 skates on the other foot now, uh, as Cam takes over with uh, Mister Sunshine, Kevin Woodley, talking about uh, the gear segment. With the true TF9 goalie skate uh, available at the Hockey Shop, source for Sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com. Cam, 
Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports. We're down here in Goalie Utopia with Cam Matwiv. It's that time of year. I was going to say it's the spring. All the new stuff is here, but it's actually the summer. And we're only a couple of months. Things are going well um, all over North America. We're getting closer to being back on the ice. A lot of you are back on the ice already. And for a lot of you, that means it's time for new wheels. And we have a new option for you for the first time ever in Goalie. True has a stock on the shelf retail skate. So not something you have to custom order, have a scan and wait to get. Something you can walk into the hockey shop in person and walk out of with in these skates in the same day. So my question for you, Cam, as you tease us and don't show us the skate, but just the damn box, how do or can they maintain some of that custom fit and feel that True is known for in a skate that you can just buy off the rack? Is there, have they managed to pull that off? Yes, bottom line. So quick background. Um, something that's actually exists in their player market uh, currently already. So upstairs, uh, we have the TF9 and TF7 stock uh, player skate. Uh, again, stock fits that are very thermal molded, uh, activated, um, and have been available on the wall and have done very well for us and have been quite successful. So now, Drew turns its attention to goalie, uh, which they've done so over the past year by quite a bit, and come out with... Let's go, let's go. Thank you. you. Didn't make me fight for it. The TF9 goal skit. All right, lots to cover here, but the big thing itself is again we keep using that word thermal activated. Um, so what that all means is when I go to go heat mold the skate for you, uh, the foams get nice and malleable. Um, the carbon gets nice and malleable, uh, and when I really pull that skate tight, I get that wrap around that foot. So you're creating almost that custom fit. Um, that is basically offered in their um, their full scan skates, but it's something that's kind of bringing it down as a derivative um, down into the stock fit off the wall. So the heat molding process is a little longer, and the fitting process is going to be a little longer than some of the other skates you have on the wall. Correct. Your average, you know, you you pop a skate in the oven five minutes, ten minutes on your feet. You know, hey, we're good. See you later. This, uh, it's going to take a little bit longer. Uh, it's in the oven for about 10 minutes. It's on your feet for about 20 to 25, even about almost a half an hour uh, to really make sure you get that imprint and full wraparound. Um, makes a big difference in terms of the fit and that initial fit when you go to go try it on shouldn't be 100% perfect because once again, that heat mold needs to be involved. Does that mean we still get to wrap the saran wrap? And like, yes, we still get to wrap the saran wrap. Crucial, crucial product to the molding process. Drop those first three eyelets so that we're not reefing on them too, too hard. Allow that wrap still to happen with that saran wrap wrap. Wait, because I think remember last time, I think we wrapped you in the saran. We did. We did. So option, we get an opportunity to do that again. Okay. More to that's, come. That's the boot. That's how it fits. That's how it's designed to sort of still offer at least a custom feel and escape that's not necessarily custom from top to bottom. What's the next Correct. Sort of changes. So there's still some more to add with that customization factor and customability. Not a word. Not we'll call a word. that a word. Not a word. For now it is. So the true tongues are actually Velcroed in and very easy to come out. So stock just comes with their flex guard. Decent overall tongue. Um, we'll cover most. If you were looking for something different, true actually has a multitude of different replacement tongues that are available. Um, easy enough to order through us. Um, so, Myself, uh, I believe I've 
did use uh, the thinner uh, T-guard tongue uh, itself, just not something taking up a whole lot of volume um, inside. Again, something that's available, you can easily order these aftermarket and pop them in. So again, a nice little customizable feature that you don't normally get at that stock Fitscape. Do you stock them in-house or do you have to bring them in? Uh, now this all depends, you know, because you have the ability to also get them embroidered as well. So if that's the case, obviously it's something we got to go to order it in. I know we have a few different tongues in stock, but in the most cases we do got to order them in. Okay, so again, another sort of the customizability that, that true skates were known for, true goalie skates were known for. Uh, still some of those options are available in this stock retail skate. Let's move into, if we've done with the boot, let's move into the holder. Okay, holder, and then we'll jump back to the boot really quickly after. Uh, new shift attack holder. So something, uh, again, completely new when it comes to the goal skates. The shift attack holder exists upstairs uh, in the player world of things with coming with that new uh, quick release uh, blade mount. Transferring down to goal, um, quite a difference from that older two-piece skate, um, which we do have an example here, which Kevin can dig out for us. So part of the feedback that uh, True's gotten, uh, we myself have gotten as well, um, and I've even experienced is the pitch of the older two-piece holder was quite a bit different. Um, and it was definitely something to get used to. And a lot of goalies actually had a little bit of a hard time trying to get used to that uh, and would replace the holder with something different. So True went out, got a bit of an average from what was being replaced with and came up with that shift attack holder for goal skates. Much more neutral plane to it, not as much as that forward pitch. Obviously, it's something you can profile aftermarket if you need to be pitched a little bit further up on your toes. But now, as a majority of goalies stepping into it, something that might be a little bit more of a familiar feel. Well, and, and the biggest difference to me is, I mean, this one, obviously the forward pitch, but also the height of it. Mm -hmm. And where you've seen the height reduced, looking at the new model and some of the measurements we took before we started recording, uh, the heel. The heel's not as tall which is gonna sort of, again, make it feel a little more neutral because it's it, by lowering the heel, you reduce the forward pitch as well. And so that seems to be the biggest difference. And as you mentioned as well, for the first time ever, and there are some NHL goalies that have had some embarrassing moments as a result of the old setup, the new setup's got a quick release trigger that's gonna allow you to interchange blades relatively easily. Not, not tool free, there's a tool that comes with the skate that you have to use, just pop it in and pull back the trigger, but it should avoid sort of blades coming out. And then as we saw in the old model with the screw, sometimes getting that thread in properly became an issue. And it, I mean, Robin Lehner had happened to him twice in the same game, I think. Um, that's not gonna be an issue with this new holder. Correct. Also new steel. So stock three mil blade on these guys now. Um, just again, going more with a common average. However- Makes it lighter. You do also have different options. Um, so if you still like your four mil steel, they do have a quick release four mil black carbon coated steel that pops right in. Um, so another great option, all that stuff will be starting to come available um, and probably is available now um, with more stock coming in. Um, that said, it's giving you that nice flexibility. So again, if you were coming from the older skate, you did like that four mil push and feel wise, that's something you can still uh, obtain and get. Last, well, maybe not last, you might have some more, but definitely noticed a new Lundquist loop. And it's actually not so much a loop as it is a, looks like a metal sort of bracket. So kind of slick, I like the blue color. It's, it's a nice little color, it's attractive. Yes, mounted right straight into the boot itself. Um, will fit supposedly all uh, bootstrap configurations to be able to slide on through. Um, something a little bit different, new look to it. 
Um, you know, it's a nice little refreshing update rather than just having the leather flap in the back, for sure. I, I like it. It's, it's, uh, it's got some style points. It's an aesthetically pleasing skate all around. Um, it looks great. Looks great on the wall. Looks great on your feet. And will transfer over in July to the custom side of things. So all new custom scans for a two-piece skate will now become the TF9 look uh, and the new shift attack holder. Will the older, taller, forward-pitched holder be an option moving forward in custom? As of right now, there still potentially might be the chance to get it, but you'll be less and less to the point of there being no more. All right, the new TF9 goal skate from True. For the first time ever, you can come in and see Cam at the hockey shop, walk out with it. Well, probably not on your feet because that's probably not very good for the steel and you know, there's not carpet from here to your car. Although Cam, we could probably arrange it. You could actually just have like, I will roll out the red carpet for right maybe Kevin. Right to the car, baby. So for the first <laughs> time ever, you can walk into the store, buy a true skate, walk out of the store with it, take it on the ice right away, um, and still maintain some of that customizability that you had before. That's the actual word, just so you know. Quickly before we leave, though, don't forget, you can still get the one piece. One piece does not change. There you go. If you got any other questions, make sure you give Cam a call. Call him at 604-589-8299. And because we're pressed to time, 1-800-567-7790. Boom. Cut it, print it. Or check him out at thehockeyshop.com. Now cut it and print it. Give you credit. Uh, questions answered. Uh, I like it because my sort of curiosity was... Uh, a true skate where you have that uh, full custom mold, everything uh, going into it. But uh, but you can bake this uh, this skate. You still it forms around your foot. There was there was a lot in there, and the the price point, Woody, is is good for a skate that uh, that isn't full custom. It it reflects that. Yeah, six fifty Canadian, and uh, my understanding is it does uh, ship across the border. Um, so customers on both sides, you have to double check with Cam, but I believe customers on both sides can order this. So not just Canadian, like some of the other products are limited in where they can ship to. Um, so you get the savings there, but yeah, like not, you know, it's, it's the secondary yeah. price point, which true didn't really have before. And so they've got an entry point there. Um, you can get into a true skate without having to go through the process of the fitting, without having to go through the weight of you know, having the skate built and having it come back to you, you can walk into the store and walk out with a true goalie skate for the first time. And so that's exciting for the folks at the hockey shop and the hockey shop.com. And thanks camp for walking us through Trying all the details. Think, as a, as a, and Hutch, you, you would know this, uh, uh, with, uh, with young Maddie, like you can buy a skate and as a, uh, with a, with a young kid, uh, boy or girl and live with that skate for a, for a little bit longer than your true moldable custom skate. You know, know what I'm talking yeah, about? Not that? a lot of people want to take the expense or, or literally lock into a skate that is custom made if you think that you're still growing. Right. And uh, so you probably get a little bit. I, I mean, I have not tried a custom skate with a growing young man, so I, I couldn't even tell you how long that might last. I'd be curious to know what readers who have uh, think. What I do know is that I've always been shocked over the years by the number of kids I see on the ice at camps wearing true skates, relatively young kids. Um, so there's that desire for it from parents and from kids to try true because, you know, they're a great skate beyond just the fit. 
And uh, what what a smart move now to make them more accessible, both price wise and more accessible because presumably they're going to last a little bit longer in terms of lifespan for for kids and parents. So yeah, great move by them. Look forward to seeing them myself. They're good looking wheels too. They are. They're sharp. I thought Woody was going to jump in there with some kind of. Come on, Woody, oh, just can, get grumpy. Well, grumpy. Well, I can't be grumpy. No, I, I like that. It's good looking skate. I like the <laughs> like the little metal Lundquist loop, uh, the shift tack angle, the 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 little removable blade. Really we saw sick. that with Robin Laner. Um, you know, on the one piece, that screw that went into the back of the blade had, w- was problematic for some goalies. Once that thread was was gone, it wasn't an easy fix. So. Yeah, they've solved some issues here and an option for more people than it was before. So that's all positive things. Look at me. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Uh, If only you weren't upset that that blue is the wrong shade and clashes (laughs) with your shirt. No, I think it actually kind of, you know, it goes with my eyes. Uh, if you have any questions about the uh, the new true TF9 skate, give Cam a call. Uh, the Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com, source for sports, Surrey. They can take care of any kind of query that uh that you may have and uh in it if you think that maybe uh, it's too detailed or not uh not significant enough give it a shot because i just want i just want you to challenge cam uh, a little bit more so give them a, a call time to our segue over to our feature interview brought to you by uh Sensorina vr and it's uh carl popper goalie coach with the university of minnesota and jack lafontaine who has an incredible story to tell about his journey to claiming the Mike Richter Award for Top Goaltender in NCAA Hockey. And it's uh, through the uh, good folks at Sensorina VR. Hutch. Finally, I've been talking about the features in the newest release of Sensorina software, but finally, I myself actually got to try it uh, this week. was off on a little training trip, and I sat down with our good friend Eli Wilson of Eli Wilson Goaltending, who we've worked with for many years, and gave him a tour of the software. And... I love, I love it. One of the things I love about um, Sensorina is that they're always evolving the product. And we were sold the moment we tried it, but every time they bring out a new iteration of the software, I'm, I'm sold even more. I'm locked in even more. And this time they brought out a whole new interface. So when you first put it on, you've got better access to everything that you want to use in the software. It's got your diagnostics where you sit as a goaltender, sort of front and center as you first put it on. The other one that actually wasn't even mentioned to me is the upgrading process has been a little tricky in the past. Admittedly, installing your software in the headset, getting things rolling, that's all been fixed. It's just right done through the Oculus store now. Really easy to work with, but just absolutely love the progress in the software. And I can tell you, you know, yet again, my experience this week was put it on Eli and uh, he just came to life and wanted to go again and wanted to go again. Um, did see him smash his hand into the wall because he was so involved uh, in making those saves. Incredible piece of software. Um, Darren, what, what are your impressions been? So realistic. That's the part that, that gets me. It's just absolutely uh, realistic. And I'm, ta- I'm, gonna, I'm going to Tokyo for the Olympics to cover water polo uh, so, uh, and beach volleyball. Water polo and beach, beach volleyball. Uh, but I just, I'm going to have to quarantine for a while, so I'm taking it over there. Uh, to uh, give myself uh, an activity and uh, do a little bit of training and, and have some fun uh, during the course of I might I might try out the fishing game too uh, on the uh, on the Oculus because my my kids do love that but uh, I I I just can't believe how realistic it is. Well, maybe I mean maybe if Canada needs help and goal at the water polo tournament, you'll be so dialed into catching pucks that just think if you could just you know if you can work on your you know 
swimming, maybe you'll be able to do the water polo too. Treading water is not a strong point by me. And if you've ever watched water polo, the way they jump out of the uh, the water, the goaltenders, it's staggering how much incredible uh, that they get. Yeah, 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 incredible. Uh, we'll be cheering. Uh, well, I have to remain somewhat neutral. I will be cheering for the uh, the Canadian women's team uh, in, in the water polo, polo event uh, over there. But uh, no, it's 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 just another tool and it's uh, the, the cheat code. But uh, the different things that you discover is you, the more you use uh, the Sensorina uh, program, Hutch, is, is really um, intriguing in, in the sense of, oh, I didn't realize it did that or I could follow that or uh, the, with the upgrades, it's, it's great. So many things you can do with it. As you say, you discover it. There's there's modes to tweak every drill that you're using. So there's a new look each time. And then I also encourage people, just check out uh, Sensorina's YouTube page because tips are starting to go up there. Uh, we're going to have a few fairly soon as well, tying some of uh, the drills we publish at inglemag.com to, to Sensorina drills themselves. But uh, Brian DeCord has been a guest on this podcast in the past, has some fantastic uh, suggestions as well for how you can Take Sensorina as it is, but then you can sort of tweak it for your own purposes. I wonder if it can make you happy. Well, I wonder if there's a, a segment for to improve the mood of Woody. Just getting on, just getting on Sensorina. Now you have to dial it down to beginner mode for me to actually make saves. But when I do, it makes me happy. Uh, tell me about this week's uh, interview uh, brought to you by uh, Sensorina VR with Carl and Jack. Well, you, you tease the, the journey for Jack, um, starting at the University of Michigan and then actually leaving and going back to B the BCHL. But to me, um, the best part of this interview is as they sort of, once he gets past that and, and ends up at the University of Minnesota and the relationship between him and Carl Popper as the goaltending coach there and how they work together. Um, how Jack works. You're going to hear some really fascinating details on sort of the way he prepares to play, the way he works on improving his game. Some really great takeaways. If you've ever been somebody who believes in the power of journals, he takes that to another level. Uh, as you'll hear, I don't want to give it all away, but to me, it's it's that interaction. We've talked about it a lot recently. It feels like, you know, um, it it really isn't just about you know, helping a goalie get better on the ice. That's part of it. And they have the way they work together on the ice, the back and forth of, of, you know, their sessions and goalie world and all the things that they do in the NCAA to improve and how that process works for them is fascinating, but it really is about individuals and getting to know the athlete and the person before you are able to work with helping them become a better goaltender. And so there's elements of all of that in here. Uh, great stuff from Carl, great stuff from Jack. A lot of takeaways that I think probably apply to not just young goalies, but other goalie coaches, maybe even parents who are working in that mentorship role with their kids. And yeah, just a lot of great ideas and a lot of tools you're going to hear. Pay attention. You're going to hear a lot of tools we've talked about before. Things like concentration grids and you know, just reminders that these elements that we have at ingolmag.com that people talk about in these interviews. Um, you know, these are tools that a lot of the best goalies uh, are using to get better themselves. And so therefore tools that I would suggest, I don't say you have to, but worth, worth trying much like Sensorina and we're trying something new to see if it can help you get better. My favorite part had to be when Jack mentioned watching some of the drills at Ingle Mag. 
talked about the Mikey DiPietro drill and specifically how they're presented for individual learning styles. Uh, that That's pretty cool. I mean, we, we love to hear that guys are readers, uh, but when they bring it up organically like that, yeah, it really made my day, guys. It's a heck of a testimonial. And we've uh, chatted a lot about uh, censoring of VR. Uh, and the other part of this uh, conversation is going to be just the reality of what Jack LaFontaine had to go through to get to this stage and the perseverance uh, of being the Mike Richter award winner. So here is Jack, Carl, and Woody in the feature interview, episode 126, brought to you by Sensorina VR. Pleased to welcome to the In Goal Radio podcast uh, from the University of Minnesota, Carl Popper, the goaltending coach, Jack LaFontaine, your Mike Richter award winner as the top goalie in college hockey, draft pick of the Carolina Hurricanes. Obviously, two guys who have had a lot of success together at the University of Minnesota over the past couple of seasons. But before we get to that, before we kind of get to where your paths diverge, I wanted to talk about your paths up to there. So, Jack, for you, because there is some uniqueness there in terms of Michigan being a Canadian guy, going down there, playing a bit, and then redshirting, um, can you talk about sort of that path to there? I guess, first step, let's go all the way back. Goaltending. How'd you get started? Yeah, I was always a goalie growing up. Um, you know, I, I started in a, uh, a skier league. So what that pretty much was, was if you were a skiing family uh, in Toronto, the you wouldn't have games on the weekend there'd be like uh 40 kids and you'd switch around there were no goalies and you'd play on thursdays so your family would be able to wake up early friday morning and you head to the ski uh ski valley and uh i would always in my player equipment be in the crease acting as a goalie um and my dad would be furious with me because he thought it was uh you know you got all this player gear on i, I don't want to see you stand in a crease and, uh, you know, it was after that year where I pleaded him, I was like, I don't want to play this. I want to play real hockey. And he was a goalie too, but he was a predominantly a football player. And, um, <laughs> so he kind of, uh, was very hesitant to give me the green light to become a goalie. But, um, you know, I was very fortunate. He, he got me this like very used, uh, Sherwood set of pads and, uh, it was, I don't know if you remember like THR, like uh, a glove and blocker, pretty much like street hockey gear. And he kept on sending me to camps and I'd come home from camps and I have bruises all over my body, but with a big smile. And I, I keep on telling him like, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. And, um, you know, he was actually my first goalie coach. Um, and he, um, you know, he's very intense. He's very competitive. And I think that's where, again, I get that kind of uh, mean streak from definitely from him. But ever since then, um, it's just kind of taken off from there. And I've, I've been very fortunate. I've had a lot of, a lot of great people come into my life, uh, through hockey. I think that's the greatest thing about hockey is you meet all these wonderful people and you stay connected. And, uh, whenever you meet someone new, you have, uh, the, the name game with them, you know, uh, do you know him? Do you know him? Blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, I've just been extremely fortunate. I've got to play at two phenomenal universities, uh, play for some great junior programs. And, um, it's kind of been a fairy tale, uh, even though at some points it's felt like a, uh, a horror film. <laughs> okay. We'll get to the horror film in a minute. Um, 
like I got to be honest, we we always ask that of the parents, like the especially guys who have young kids who have either either they're ending their career or they're coaching. Like, are you going to let your kid be a goalie? It's always sort of the fun question at the end. We've had a few where over the years somebody's told the stories about dad like absolutely ripping clappers at their head to try and discourage them. But I think that's the first one where we've had somebody go out in street hockey year and come back black and blue just to make sure they were all in on this. What what'd you love about it? I just loved a always on the ice. I didn't have to be on the bench, uh, always on the ice and be the best thing when I was growing up would be if we won, everyone would come give me a big hug. Um, and just that, uh, it was like a feeling of happiness, but also a feeling of like relief. It's like, okay, great. We got what we needed to do. We came out here, we won, uh, and everyone's happy. Uh, but conversely, uh, growing up, it was always the losses that really stung a little bit. Um, and that's always been a challenge for me, even as a 23 year old, uh, handling those losses. And, um, but it's, it's just, the position was always enticing. It was, uh, it was something that when I watched hockey growing up, I was watching Brodeur, I was watching Ryan Miller, I was watching the Bokoff and I was watching all these guys. Um, and just something about the position was just, I just knew it was for me. Now, those are some guys with some old cool, old school stylings a little bit there that you just brought up. Although Ryan, Ryan Miller obviously evolved his game. I got to see that firsthand here in Vancouver. So before we, let's bring in the coach then. When, when your pupil's talking about growing up, watching, watching all those guys, Carl, let's go to your roots in the game before we get to you guys intersecting at University of Minnesota. Uh, some, some junior, some NCAA as a player, and then the transition to coach. So what, what got you started in goaltending? Walk us through that, that, that career portion of playing and then the transition into coaching. Um, yeah, so my, my dad is, is Czech and he, he always loved the game. Um, he loved to watch it and he thought it was fun. So he got us into hockey. Um, and when I was young, we traveled quite a bit, right? I lived in three different countries and like six different states. Um, so Fun story. I actually started playing ice hockey in Mexico City. Um, our coaches, we had two Russian coaches. They, uh, they defected from the Soviet Union and ended up in Mexico City. Luckily, one of them was a goalie guy. And so he's the one who got me going and, and um, really worked me hard. My dad said he felt bad for me at times, but... Uh, at the end of the day, just like Jack, you know, you came off the ice smiling um, and, and you just loved it. Right. Um, and then as far as, you know, going through and then getting into junior hockey, uh, I mainly played tier three. Um, and then I decided to go to Hamlin university and I played there for, for a few years. We got a new coach. I got cut and I still had a year of college left. So, um, I, the player part, I played out for the club team, you know, so, um, just because, you know, something to do, something to stay involved. And while I was going to school, I worked for a, a goalie school here locally. I graduated college and I got an opportunity to be an interim at Ohio state with the women's program. And so I did that for, for the remainder of that year. And after that, I, Went up north to Detroit, worked for a company called Total Package Hockey uh, for a year. Did uh, did some of the goalie stuff there, 
that's actually where I met Steve Shields. And that kind of rolls back to Mr. Jack and how we built our relationship um, a little bit through Steve. At that point, I wasn't happy in Detroit with TPH, you know, mega goaltending here in the, in the Twin Cities. Um, called and said, Hey, you know, are you interested in a job? We're opening a new campus. You can be in charge of the goalies. And then at the same time, the Gophers women's coach called saying he needed a new goalie coach. And so they just kind of worked together. And so I made my way back to Minnesota. And so I did that for, for a year. And then after that first year, I picked up the men's as well. Right. So then now I'm doing both the men and the women's team at the University of Minnesota. And, and here we are. Okay. So there's the path. What yeah. do you love about the position? You said the big smile on your face, to, despite getting worked over by the Russian coach in Mexico city. And I think there's like <laughs> a bad joke in there about how the Czech two Russians and uh, walk into an ice rink in Mexico city, if it was an ice rink. Um, but like, where, where's the passion? And, do you still have, like, if it was there as a, as a player, as a goalie, how do you keep it as a goalie coach? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I mean, as a player, um, I think for me, I just love to work, right? And, you know, obviously everybody loves the spotlight at times and you embrace it when you win and you get over it when you lose. But, um, you know, the, the game was always just fun. It was fun to watch. It's fun to play. Um, it's fun to learn. And for me as a coach, where I have the most fun is when we get to try new things. Right. So, so Jack and I will go on the ice here and there and, and I say, Hey, let's try this. And we just try it. Right. And, and sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes we learn something else like, all right, we tried this, but Hey, what about this? This, this looks pretty good. Oh yeah. Let's try that. Right. And so you just build on different types of things. And for me, that's what I really like about it. Right. Um, I like the team atmosphere. Um, and that's why I, I really like uh, working for the Gophers. And then I like the, the development side where, where you come up with new ideas, you, you try to think outside the box or you see somebody do something and then you take an idea from what they did and, and incorporate it into maybe something else. Right. So so I think that's that's part of it, right? Okay, so I wanted to go to how you guys met, but I got to ask, can you give me an example? Either one of you back and forth on, you know, where you're out there trying one thing and Jack does something different. And the next thing you know, you like, have you come up with things that where you set it on the ice to learn a specific way to do something new and end up with something completely unique to you or unique to you too? Without giving away too many secrets, of course. Here I am. Like, let's give away all the secrets. I'll, I'll let Jack start. Let's see what he has. Well, to I, I won't get too far into the technical talk, but there's been plenty of times where, um, and a, a large reason why Carl and I get along is we're both very. Um, I would almost go go as far as saying we're obsessed with the position, and we're so. Um, I think intrigued and like not trying to reinvent the wheel, but trying to find new ways in, in which to, you know, find efficiency in the game. And, um, you know, we're going to talk about, I think later in the podcast, a, a move Carl and I uh, are still trying to master. It's called the Bob. 
after uh, Sergei Bobrovsky. And uh, it's something we tried. Uh, it would have been before the start of last season. And it's just, you know, we it started off as an idea and then it started uh, to grow in my game. And I, I found a lot of success with it. And, um, you know, we, we do it on the ice in practice and we take videos of it. And we'd say, well, we like, we like the movement, but we got to change something with uh, the upper body posture. And we just keep on, you know, tweaking this, tweaking that and trying to find efficiency in it. And, you know, that's just, I think, one of many examples of, you know, how, um, you know, Car Carl's not a dictator and saying, you know, this is, this is, this is how we do it. This is, you know, this is what bullies are doing and this is where you'll find success. It's more so. Uh, democracy in the sense that you know we bounce ideas off of each other and uh, we find what works for me and then Carl's great at um, you know even with my partners what works for me is not going to work for you know Justin Close or Jared Moe and um, you know he's he's very adaptable and on top of that he's got a, a, a hunger that is infectious uh, if you're you know being coached by him. Sounds to me Carl like this is what I love about this side of my job I, I can't teach I can't coach I but I get to hear all these different ways that kind of come back to the same theme. There's no one way to do this. Right. Yeah. I mean, you just got to find a solution. If there's a problem, uh, you find a solution and, and you work together with your goalies to do that. Um, and like Jack said, what, what might work for Jack doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for somebody else. Okay. So how do you guys, you, you've introduced, uh, the, I didn't know the Steve Shields part. Obviously, Jack, all I got to do is look at the hockey DB and see the University of Michigan. And then, you know, I mean, Penticton V's BCHL, that's right in my backyard here in BC. So obviously a year off there from university. Can you walk me through a your path and his, your words? There was a, a not very fun stretch by the sound of it there. And ultimately how it leads to you two getting together. Either one of you can take this one away. Well, I think how it started was as, as soon as I committed to the University of Minnesota, Shieldy and I were, were very close. He was, uh, he was my goalie coach in Michigan, a phenomenal, phenomenal goalie coach. Someone also uh, a lot like Carl uh, in the method that they teach, very experimentative uh, and very uh, open to new ideas. And we were talking and he was, uh, you know, he kept on dropping this name, Carl Popper, Carl Popper. You know, I think he's going to be your goalie coach there. Um, because at that time, uh, the mega goalie coach that was working for the team, uh, Andy Kent, uh, he wasn't going to be returning. So there was that opening. So it just kind of, you know, fate brought us together kind of thing. But that was always in the back of my mind that, you know, I was going to meet this guy, Carl Popper, when I stepped on campus. And of course, we always had that Steve Shields tie. Um, because again, Ka uh, Carl knows Mitch Korn very well. And of course, uh, Mitch Korn is Steve Shields' uh, old goalie coach. So those those two ties brought us together. Uh, and I think immediately uh, we hit it off right from the get-go. Now, in terms of, I, I don't know how much, you, like how, how do you end up going from, like what happened at Michigan that you're not at Michigan? I guess is the politest way I can put it. Pretty blunt, sorry. Yeah, no, there's like, I mean, I've, again, I've answered that question a lot, a lot. Like it's not, I got nothing to hide and, you know, the same with the coach at Michigan, Mel Pearson, like he was, he was great to me. Um, you know, my goalie partner at the time, Hayden Levine, uh, he had just uh, done a phenomenal job at taking the team to a, a frozen four. Um, so, you know, he, he was going to be the guy and, uh, you know, 
uh, coach Mel was, was great. He was very upfront with me. He was just like, listen, like you're, you know, you have one of the best uh, goalies uh, in the locker room and I don't see you getting a lot of playing time. So you can either stay here, keep on battling as a number two, or we could, uh, you know, search for other avenues such as junior hockey. And if you do well, then, you know, we could entertain the idea of coming back to Michigan, but it, kind of happened where Hayden struggled next year. And then they found uh Strassman, who again was a very, very good goalie and uh, they didn't have room. So it kind of opened uh, the whole recruiting process back up again at Minnesota. I, I got very lucky with Minnesota because uh, Matt Robson, the goalie before me, you know, I grew up with him. He was a uh, Toronto boy as well. And Matt, Matt, again, Matt forced, not, he didn't force me, but he, uh, he gave me the idea of Penticton. And again, he, he texted me saying, Hey, like, you know, I, I'm not going to be around next year. I'm going to try to ask, uh, Bob Monsko, uh, to give you a look. And, um, you know, I, I got very lucky. Bob was phenomenal in the uh, recruiting process and, uh, everything about Minnesota just, just felt like home right away. There was a gut feeling and, you know, it's probably the, the best decision I've made, uh, up to this point in my life. How tough is that mentally to take that? Because I'm guessing no matter how you slice it, that had to feel like a step back to be going to, to junior A after being in the NCAA. Like how did, how did you process that and get to the point where you could look at it as an opportunity as opposed to dwelling on having to leave NCAA to go back for that year? I describe it as a bad heartbreak, you know, like it's, uh, you know, you're getting dumped by your girlfriend almost, but you know, the great thing about not, I'm not going to say the great thing, but one of the silver linings of not playing was I had so much time to work with Shieldy, you know, before the games, after practices, early in the mornings, because I, I wasn't playing. And, you know, Shieldy and I really developed my game and, you know, found a good, strong foundation. So at the end of those two years at Michigan, I was actually excited to, you know, go back to juniors and to finally uh, start playing games and to actually put these new skills to the test. The hardest part about going back to junior hockey was just the social aspect of it. I was going to be leaving all my friends. Uh, I was going to be leaving uh, my girlfriend at the time. For me, that was the toughest uh, barrier to handle. Now saying that in hindsight, it was the right decision just because it, it was tough mentally doesn't mean it's a wrong decision. But uh, for me, Penticton was a phenomenal year. I got to play over 50 games. I met a great coach in Fred Harbinson, just a really, really good human being. And, um, you know, he, he stuck with me through some uh, tough times. And for that, I'm like eternally grateful uh, for that opportunity he gave me. And, you know, that year kind of propelled me to Minnesota. Okay, so we, we've heard from Steve Shields, Carl Popper, Carl Popper, Carl Popper, get to know that name. Um, you're being recruited now out of the BCHL by other teams as you're going to transfer out, uh, away from Michigan. Carl, I'm looking at like I'm looking at where these all line up, and and, and in some sites you're still listed as as the on the women's side. Like, were you involved in that process at all? And and on and Jack on your side, how many different opportunities were there? I don't know if Jack knows this, but uh, as soon as Jack decided or they decided they weren't going back to Michigan. Um, he called me and he said, Hey, Jack's available. You want him? And I said, okay. And so I called the current goalie coach, Andy Kent. And I said, Hey, tell Bob and 
and Garrett that uh, Jack's available and this is a guy you want to look at. And I left it there because at the time I was not their goalie coach. Um, so that was, I guess, my role in that was just giving the name that uh, Steve gave me and that was it. Okay, Jack, what's the, like, what's, what type of, what, what influences this decision? You said Minnesota just felt right. How much of it was, like, what were the other options and how much of it was knowing he was there, even if it wasn't maybe directly at first? Well, I, I think there was a lot of hesitation on other teams. Um, I think at that point in my career, a lot of people looked at me as almost broken goods, which I understand, uh, you know, that you have this kid that uh, a lot of people viewed as taking a step back, going back to junior hockey. And, um, you know, I, I, I had, uh, I think, three or four other college uh, offers. You know, I, I wasn't just going to settle for, you know, something just to have a college scholarship. So I wanted to go to a place where not only I was going to get everything on the hockey side, but I wanted to go back to a good school, finish my degree and be in a place where I had a chance to win a college national championship. So the interesting thing about Minnesota was the, the keys to the castle weren't given to me right away. So it was a, it was kind of a handshake deal where, Hey, like you're, you still got to prove that you can be a number one goalie at the college level. Whereas other schools are saying, you're going to be our guy right off the bat. And again, I've never been one to shy away from competition, but I think Minnesota, um, again, they had, they had the great history. They have a new coach in Bob Mosco. And on top of that, the education there is top tier. So I was prepared to go in. I was prepared to, to fight for that job. And it just so happened I had Carl in my corner um, helping me uh, propel me to that position. All right. So I wanted to ask about the schooling, too. I wasn't sure where we were going to do this, but you mentioned the great education, like uh, journalism. What led to that as a major? Obviously, hockey's the primary goal here, drafted by the Carolina Hurricanes. But does it help you? I mean, on a day to day, you've got a there's a media presence there at the University of Minnesota. You've been on the big stage. Does it help sort of understanding our side of things? Can you help us get better at our jobs with better questions? Yeah, I mean, I've taken classes in journalism. I mean, I graduated graduated with a more broad degree in English, but I've, I've uh, flirted with uh, journalism a lot. Um, but I think on like a bigger scale, you know, my English degree is it's just a part of who I am. It's my personality. I'm someone that loves to read, loves to write. I'm someone that if I'm going to learn, if I'm going to like retain information, I need to either read it or I need to, need to write it down. And that's just kind of how I not only memorize, memorize, you know, techniques or, um, you know, little mental, uh, mental aspects, but it's also a way in which it gives me like a little bit more confidence. You know, my, uh, I'm a big believer in the, the idea that if you write it, you can do it. So as cliche as that sounds, I have all these little notebooks. I have these journals that are all uh, appointed to a, a specific objective. So I have a drill book uh, where every, every drill that I've done um, and then I've liked, I've written that drill down, um, written the keys to that drill. And then I have another book, which is like my mental handbook. So that book is supposed to you know, keep track of my pregame and postgame emotions and feelings and thoughts. And then I, you know, I, I could go on and on about the, the journals and handbooks. And, you know, for me, it's not over, overwhelming at all. It's just, it's just who I am. It's, you know, I'm, I'm very meticulous. I'm very organized. And, you know, that's a way in which um, if I need to find success as a goalie, that's, that's a large part in it. 
So then are the notebooks exclusive to hockey and, and goaltending or do you use them in other aspects of life? Uh, only hockey and goaltending. Okay. So you gave us two. Carl mentioned these notebooks. He says they might be a little hard to read to the outsider. There's a personal element of uh, handwriting involved. <laughs> I mean, Carl, Carl, Carl can't read them because they're, they're written in cursive. And I always, uh, I give him a little bit of flack because I was like, how can you not read cursive? You, you should be the one writing in cursive and I should be printing. But, you know, as an English major, um, again, my dad was an English major and he, he wrote in cursive. And again, from a young age, he's like, hey, you're going to do this. This is like a, a, a dying art. Um, and yeah, it's just it's stuck with me. Yeah. Okay, so it's it's like just regular old cursive. It's not like like I mean, you learn as a reporter how to take sort of like there's specific ways, almost like a like to 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 write. I mean, nobody could read my writing, frankly. But then there's guys that actually do shorthand that it just blows me away how fast they can reword it. This is just straight out cursive. It's just straight out cursive, but I think I've made up a couple letters in the cursive alphabet. <laughs> so that's probably where uh, that's probably where Carl is saying that he can't read it, which makes a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, I, I just do it cause it's faster, right? I'm not going to print, I'm going to do cursive and it's going to be faster for me. Okay. So do you guys share some of the, like, do you share the notes with Carl? I mean, the ones he can read, do you guys go over this and Carl, like, it actually reminds me, you guys have mentioned Mitch Korn, like one of the thoughts that he had when he first, when I've had this discussion with him and with Braden Holpe, you know, first going to Washington and hearing about all these things that Braden liked to do and making sure that they were constructive. Um, when you were first introduced to the notebooks as a coach, Carl, like what were the thoughts on this? I've always found it a good idea. And I think that for certain goalies, it's, it's beneficial. And for others, it's just, like you said, it's tedious. It's another task to do. Um, so the mindset of, of doing that, um, it's specific to goaltenders, but I know for, for Jack's notes and stuff, um, and you know, a lot of the stuff we do, it's, you know, like he said, it's not, it's not a dictatorship. It's more of a democracy. You want to share it with me? I'll, I'll be happy to sit down with you, talk about it, check it out and, and we can go from there. But I never, um, I, at least I don't think so. I've never forced him to be like, Hey, let me, let me see your, your thoughts, your notes. What are you feeling? You know, if, if he wants to share, um, I'm here for him. If he doesn't, that's fine. Uh, you mentioned the drill book. You mentioned the mental, like what your emotions are before and after a game. Um, like, do you have one for technique or is that part of the drill book? How, like I'm trying to, without poking, I'm, I'm doing what Carl just said he won't do. I'm trying to dig as deep as I can to get more information on how many books there are and what all the different aspects. I want to know how you've broken down life as a goaltender into these individual books. I think there are probably a lot of young goalies that would find that fascinating as they try and compartmentalize different aspects of the game themselves well i mean the the mental handbook um i I, like i won't even share that with uh i won't share that with like my future wife like that is that will be something that i will forever hold dear to myself uh you know that's personal and you know the, the whole point of the handbook is to be honest and truthful with yourself right so um that's something where i can go back to a certain date and i can you know, understand that, okay, like on this certain date, this is how I was feeling. Um, and that you compare and contrast those emotions, but the drill book I, I have shared with Carl, because I, I think it is interesting. Um, because, you know, I have Carl Popper's drills in there. I have Steve Shields drills in there. I have, you know, all the goalie coaches I've ever worked with are, are all in there. 
Um, so it's, it's a nice little repertoire of drills where, you know, if I need to go back and I need to focus on, you know, stick saves, or if I need to focus on tracking, you know, I have a whole history of drills that I can go back to. But on top of that, you know, while they are like literal pictures of the drills, they're underneath those pictures are like the keys uh, to find success in that drill. And that's, that's where I think the importance of that book is because it reinforces what I've learned that day. So if I do a cool drill with Carl, I'll go home, do the drill, and then I'll write down, okay, what was Carl talking today about like my stick? Like, what do I need to do with my elbow? What do I need to do with my wrist? And, you know, when I write things, again, that's just a way in which I learn. I was going to say, everybody learns differently, right? It's actually one of the reasons uh, at Ingle, like we could just, when we have like the little videos or the pro reads, we could just slap the video on the website and say, here you go. Here's what they said. But we try and write it out as well. I mean, I'm a student of, I learned goaltending from being an editor for Ian Clark's old Goalie News publication. And his articles would be thousands and thousands of words. And not everybody wanted to sit through and read them. But if you did read them, you understood why as, a, and, and, and as opposed to just do it. You understood why you were doing it this way. And so, like you said, everybody learns differently. And I find it fascinating that for you, that's part of the process. A hundred percent. And like, that's why I love, like on Instagram, like for Engel, uh, the most recent one I've looked at is the Michael DiPietro uh, loose puck one where he's got the three pucks and he's power sliding and he's working on like not opening up, staying contained and like grabbing those loose pucks. So you watch the drill and then you're thinking, okay, why, what's the purpose of this? And then you read about it. You're like, okay, this makes sense. What situations do we use this in this, this, and this, what are the keys to this, 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 and this. So there's always like a purpose for why not only you're watching a video, but for why you would want to do that yourself. Love it. I love it. Um, and we've seen other guys too. Like uh, I'm, I'm, you know, quick look back at, I, I was searching on Ingle cause I was trying to remember who it was. Jake Allen used to keep a journal about the emotion side of things so that he could go back and refer to what he was thinking when he was playing well, when things were not necessarily going well later on. Um, and the other one was, uh, I was trying to think of Thatcher Demko used to watch NHL games and take notes on goalies playing how they played certain situations, almost like a study book that he kept notes on other goalies is there anything like that do you guys i mean carl you must why i mean you must take notes on how other goalies it's how we learn right watching how other goalies do things and trying to pick up on ways that might work for your goalies yeah i mean i'd say i watch a decent amount of hockey um and <laughs> yeah right like at all the games all the games you watch <laughs> and and so one of the things that that i do for me like jack likes to write things down I like to watch and then save what I watch, right? So if there's something that I like, it's saved somehow, some way, right? So for example, if I'm watching a game and I notice this goalie's doing, you know, that whatever it is that he's doing, um, I'll screen record it, I'll keep it, I'll watch it, I'll look for it again, and then maybe look for it in a different goalie that might have a similar style or even just a completely different goalie. And then that's how I essentially that's kind of how I learn and how I try to stay creative with Jack is, okay, what are, what are these goalies doing and what are the tendencies and how is this goalie playing different than this one? And then this one, but they're ending up with the same result. Right. And for, for that, it's just, it's a video. Like I just watch 
everything and anything I can get my hands on and then just keep what I like. Okay, so now I want I want to know how you two guys built the relationship that works so well because Carl, you've got you come it from that side and and I guess part of the question would be how do you take how Jack thinks about the game and interprets the game and and likes to process the game with the journals and and with writing it down and blend that with for example, a video review session. We we have the pro reads at Ingle. Guys share their save selection. But what's it like in that coach goalie relationship when you guys are reviewing video, knowing what how you like to think, how he likes to think? How'd you guys build the relationship that clearly is so strong? Well, I think on just like a like we're just we're just two human beings, right? So before we even you know, I've had plenty of conversations with Carl that aren't even like hockey related, um, and they're. I can, I can point three out where they were just, you know, talking about what's going on outside of hockey, what's going on with school, family, and so on and so forth. And I, I think for me, I, I really appreciate uh, a coach that takes the time to like get to know the athlete. And conversely, I'm also curious about my coach. Like I want to know what my coach, uh, how he grew up, what was his path, things he likes to do, so on and so forth. And um, the one thing I've always appreciated about Carl is he's, you know, a younger guy, but he's always been super hungry. And like I said, like that's infectious for me. So if I see, if I see my goalie coach outworking me, then that's a huge issue. You know what I mean? So I just love Carl's work ethic. And, um, on top of that, just his like creativity with these goalie drills, you know, there's always a drill I'll find every other week and I'll be like, wow, I didn't even think of that. And he's always trying to find new ways to hammer down uh, foundation keys and whatnot. Carl, how did it start for you? Like, what was your first approach? As much as we're talking now about drills and things like that, we've had a, this discussion at Ingoal recently, a lot of goalies and goalie coaches about you know, building that relationship with the person uh, as much as with the athlete out of the gate. Yeah, and I, I mean, that's pretty much it, right? Um, I think that, that if you want to coach someone, um, especially an elite level athlete is you really have to know who they are, how they think, you know, how they're feeling, you know, like a funny story. And, and Jack knows this cause we've shared this. There'll be times where the game is starting, he's in the crease and you can just sense it. You're like, Oh, Jack's going to struggle right now, but he'll, he'll either figure it out or he won't. But, um, and I think that does have to, to do with the person and getting to know him, his mannerisms, you know, what he looks like on a good day, what he looks like on a bad day, like not just on the ice, but off the ice too, when he walks into the rink, right? Is he walking with confidence? Is he, is there something on his mind, right? Is he, you know, struggling outside of the rink? Why? Right. Um, so just knowing a lot of different, facets of of your goaltender i think that helps quite a bit because from there you just take off right um once you really get to know your goalie and and the person right not even the goalie just the person um then everything seems to become a little easier because they trust you a little more now because you care about them not them the goalie but jack lafontaine the person Right. And I think that that's huge in, in anything, right? Whether Jack is first round draft pick and he's the best goalie in the world right now, or he's a Bantam C goalie, it doesn't matter. 
right? Um, it's just just dealing with the person um, and less the goaltender. Now, how did that process, especially coming off a of junior and coming coming off of that experience of being at Michigan and then back and then and up to Minnesota, getting to know him, the mental side of the game, um, how did that evolve? Like what we can look at the technical, we can talk about the bob, we can talk about always looking for new drills and new ways to get better between the ice what or between the pipes. What about between the years? What have you guys focused on? What has been, was there strengths coming in? Were there things you needed to adjust in terms of your approach, Jack or Carl, your thoughts on, on that and building that relationship to get to here? Yeah. I mean, I think how it started to me, is just like the art of observation. Mm -hmm. I watched Jack just like, there wasn't much, much to talk about. I just watch him on the ice, off the ice, see what he's doing. And, and I don't know if Jack wants to share it, but, um, I think where it really started is we had one conversation um, in the coach's locker room. I think it was after Niagara. Um, so the way it worked is I wasn't there the first weekend. I wasn't hired yet. Um, and then I came in the second weekend. Uh, we played Niagara and I think another week passed. And again, just observing and seeing who these kids are. I don't know any of them. I just know about them. And, and then we had a little chat and got real and that was it. Yeah. I mean, that's the one, I, I think the strength of Carl, not to pump his tires too much, but he has to be one of the most observant human beings I think I've ever met. You know, there was two conversations. It was after the Niagara series and then it was after the Penn state series. It was just like, well, how did you feel at this certain point of the game? And if, you know, I'd say, well, I, I, I got, I was, gripping the stick. I was a little tight, breathing got shallow. He's like, yeah, I know. I could see that. And I was like, how the hell can you see? Like how, like he's like a mind reader sometimes with that. And um, when you have a coach that kind of understands and can see when you're confident, when you're not confident, um, when you're having a rough patch, it just makes, makes it so much easier because the 50% of the conversation is done. You don't need to explain. You don't need to help the coach understand that's that's I think why we get along so well is because I I don't have to spend all this time explaining myself to Carl he really understands me and you know again he always knows when to you know get on me a little bit and other times he knows when to leave me alone and you know that that first year was a little bit trial by error and then we found ways uh, in which we can find success and preparing for those games on the weekend and finding ways I was not only going to feel confident and prepared, but just emotionally and mentally um, stable for what was to come on Friday and Saturday. So you're gripping the stick in, in those moments, just to use your words, gripping the stick. You, you use the word shallow breathing. So you can like, you've obviously got tools to deal with those pressure tense moments. Carl, you observe that. Are you offering solutions or are you just guys talking it through? Like, like you said, there are techniques to help you get through those moments. Or is it sometimes just a matter of being able to recognize them and talk about it? Yeah, I mean, it all depends, really. I mean, sometimes they just got to figure it out themselves. Um, and you're there for support. And then sometimes, you know, if it becomes an issue, um, that's where you, you have to step in right, and say, okay, like, Jack, we know this is going on. Um, let's 
walk through it. Let's talk about it and, and uh, find solutions. Right. So I, I mean, I, I do think that I do have ways of finding solutions or like providing solutions. And obviously it's something that they have to take or take it or leave it. Right. Quick example, like just the, you know, the mental side of the game or the emotional side of the game. Like there was times as I was getting to know these guys, I would, you know, I would give Jack, Justin and and Jared a, a one sheeter of some sort, right. That says this, 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 or that, right. On maybe it was an emotional part of the game or, or mental or whatever. And maybe Jack would like it. Maybe he wouldn't. Right. Maybe Jared will like it. Maybe he wouldn't. Um, and it's just providing some sort of resource. And if they want to use it, fine, use it. If you don't, you're not going to hurt my feelings. Um, and, and I think that's, that's kind of how I looked at it is, you know, I'll, I'll help you. I'm here for you if you want me to. And if you're not ready, I'll, I'll be here waiting for you. So help me out with one cheater. What you mean by a one cheater, just like a list of sort of some ideas that they can help deal with a certain situation. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Jack, you want to explain it better? Yeah. I mean, I, I still got, yeah, it's just like, uh, I remember the mental warrior handout you gave me, Carl. Yeah. So that was, uh, again, his one cheater, but you know, that's, that's something that really clicked with me. Um, it was, um, a list of, uh, Carl, help me out with the word you used a specific word. It'll come to me. But anyways, like it, it, this, this one sheet strung true with me, it, it hit home and I still have it taped on my dry stall. And it's just something where I look at and, you know, I, I read it every, every time before, uh, I'm getting changed, uh, to go to the, you know, to go into the locker room. And, um, you know, that's just one of many examples where, um, you know, Carl gives the resources and if it works, it doesn't, if it, um, you know, if it strings true with you, all, all the more power to you. But, um, you know, Carl, Carl has endless, endless archives of resources. I don't know where he gets them from, but, um, there's always, uh, there's always one that some hits home and it's just perfect for the, the scenario at hand. So, Quick question: Does he handwrite them, or are they typed out? They're typed out, and I, I re- <laughs> and I and I rewrite them myself, and I post them on my, yeah, post them myself. I was gonna say, I guess a few of them have ended up in the journal. That's awesome. Um, so it sounds to me, Carl, like and both of you guys, it sounds like much like coaching on the ice. These are tools in a toolbox. Everybody has the opportunity to to try them, take the ones that work, and leave the one that ones that don't. Yep. Okay. So now I want to I want to ask about goalies world because i didn't even know there was such a thing other than goalies world is actually when i hear goalies world two things jump to mind one the old magazine which is kind of one of the reasons we got our start sort of trying to follow where they left off when they stopped producing and two bauer has like a goalies world like convention type thing that everybody gets to go to so um what is goalies world in 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 the in ncaa hockey at the university of michigan what explain it to me university of minnesota oh yes (laughs) That's where the editor, note to editor, fixed Kevin's <laughs> University of Minnesota, of course. Um, and it's goalie world, singular. singular. Um, <laughs> but anyways, the, I got the term 
at Ohio State. So the head coach there um, came from Minnesota. And one day she's like, all right, you got goalie world. And I was like, all right. <laughs> and so that's that's how I got it. And, you know, I don't know if that's a thing that that's everywhere or it's just a Minnesota thing. I have no idea. Um, but we call it goalie world. And that's just goalie practice before before team practice. That's and so ju- so it's just all three goalies. Well, usually I would guess, and you probably rotate depending on who's got what duties in practice that day. But, um, you know, to, to take it to the drill example, you've got the drill book, Jack, which like what part of goalie world do you like the most? Do you get complicated with a call or them like drills with multiple moving parts trying to do game situation? Or Jack, do you prefer the stuff that's a little more, you know, foundation and detail based, sort of slower moving, but, you know, more focused on details? Because I'm guessing there's probably... As a coach, Carl, you're probably bending all, blending all different aspects into these these sessions. And how long are they? Well, usually the the sessions are about thirty minutes, and they're most of the time all off ice. Um, before we would hop on a practice, say thirty to forty five minutes early, you know, Carl would take us. Um, sometimes it's hip mobility, sometimes it's hand eye coordination. Other times, you know, he'll bring us in the video room, and he'll have concentration grids for us. Um, some video maybe just to prime us. Um, there are just little ways in which Carl uh, finds to prepare us for practice, prepare us for the upcoming opponent. Um, and again, giving us little tools, you know, if we like them or not, to keep on using them uh, daily. So uh, the concentration grids uh, are something I really like to do. Um, that was introduced that would have been the fall of my first, uh, first years ago for, um, and then more daily, we'll, we'll do like a lot of hand eye coordination, you know, whether we're focusing on peripheral vision, uh, whether it's juggling, you know, we even have a, uh, a reaction board now that was, uh, that was made for us. Um, so they're, they're just, they're just little things which, uh, promise for practice and, uh, just get the blood pumping and, uh, you know, get the the gears in our brain moving. Okay, so independent of the on ice session, I, for some reason I had it in my mind that it was part of when you guys headed on the ice. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's it's usually all all off ice. And again, I'm guessing just a lot of different things where they try it. And Jack, there'll probably be elements that you're doing ten years from now still. Um, and probably, yeah, and probably ones that different people will pick on different things. Any favorites, Carl, over the years that you've introduced to them that are staples? Like every guy gets this one. Yeah, I got this uh, the the five dot one, Jack. You know what I'm talking about? Um, yeah, that's one of my favorites. Um, I don't know how else to explain it. It's five dots, and you do certain patterns, and it's just like kind of almost like a shoulder mobility, hand speed type drill that um you just gotta figure it out like five it's dots the, on a board out in front of you kind yeah, of thing? just like one two one in the middle two down low and you just gotta move your hands to whatever pattern you're building and it's just like part of it too for me the the reason i like it is because when when goalies start to try and do things really fast they tense up um so it gives you a way to practice just kind of relaxing, breathing, being calm while trying to be fast all at the same time, uh, just with your hands. Tension is the enemy of goaltending. There you go. So, yeah, so that's, you know, like Jack said, 
at the end of the day, my goal is to prepare these guys for what's next in their hockey careers. So giving them new ideas, new ways of doing things. And like I said before, you either like it or you don't and you take it or you leave it. And so we do that. And then we hop on the ice, do a little goalie time and then get to practice. Now, how do you balance Jack? This one's for you. How do you balance like the goal? You got your, you got goalie world. I got it right that time off the ice. I've figured it out. I'm a little slow on the uptake here, guys. Then you get onto the ice, you get your time where it's just goalie specific, I would imagine, and then your time where you're part of the team drill. I'm guessing most goalies like the part that's goalie specific. How do you blend those times where it's all about you and your technique and your craft and getting better with also being a good teammate when it's time for drills that, you know, I know team practice, we talk about it a lot. It's not always goalie friendly. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's a team game, like you said, right? So, you know, while a lot of the times goalies are very uh, neurotic about, you know, players coming into too close or shooting it high during warm-up drills. You kind of have to remind yourself that, that this is a team game and they're trying to get something out of practice too. So if you got a two on O coming in, you know, you, you tell yourself two things, a, what does success look like in this drill? You know, maybe I want to beat that first pass on my feet. And then after that, I'm just going to battle. And then B, you have to think, okay, well, you know, maybe we had a tough weekend. Maybe some guys are losing their confidence and, you know, coach wants to see those guys put the puck in the net. So, you know, I think Carl always tells us, especially on a Monday, you know, after a weekend, he says, no easy goals, make these guys earn it because Mondays are always uh, skill days. So we'll do like a D forward split. And when you're in the forward zone, those aren't the friendliest goalie drills, but you know, you got to kind of remind yourself that this is also for the, you know, the players that are helping you during those Fridays and Saturdays too. So, you know, it's, it's a challenge to yourself where you're going to challenge your teammates that you're not given to give them any freebies. And, you know, it just raises everyone's compete level on the ice. Carl, as a coach, how important is that? Not just in terms of your guys embracing those practice or those portions of practice, as Jack said, what does success look like in this drill? But how often do you find as a coach where the goalies that compete and battle in those drills tend to be the ones that compete and battle the best once the puck drops as well? Like there is their translation and correlation from the drills that may not be goalie friendly to, you know, situations in a game that aren't always goalie friendly. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. I think that there is a lot of correlation to your willingness to battle through whatever might come at you. If you do it in practice, you're going to do it in the game. Right. If you quit in practice at some point, you're going to quit in the game. We mentioned the Bob and we said we'd come back to it. And I wasn't sure was this something we wanted to do on the podcast or if there was a chance to look over the videos together because Carl sent me some. But is that the best example you can think of, Jack, that you mentioned, like just that that learning together environment and where it is? How's it evolved in your game? You said you're still working on it. I, I would say up to date. That's the that's the best example of, you know, Carl. Um, bringing new things to my attention and, you know, trying to find new ways to make my game more efficient. You know, that, that, that movement, the Bob, I love it on two on ones. Um, that's something where, you know, it's, it's, it's usually utilized on a rush and Bobrovsky does it all the time. Hence why we call it the Bob. But I, again, like my, you know, I would get into arguments with my goalie partner, Jared Moe last season. He said, I don't really like it. I was like, all right, like, I love it. Like, and 
you know, I, I, I could execute it. And, you know, he was a guy that would just rather, you know, use a lateral release or a T push. But again, that just goes back to, you know, no two goalies are alike. Um, you know, there's a million ways to keep the, keep the puck out of the net, but the Bob specifically, I think it's, it's a really cool move. And last year it helped me out a ton, especially on two on ones, three on twos. It's a way to, you know, maintain my feet and not open up, uh, my toes. Whereas a T push, you got to open up and rotate and the Bob is a way in which you can kind of not only hold your edges, but um, if there's a pass back, you can push back. Carl, give me, give me your keys to that movement. Like as you guys have gone through this, what do you see as the keys that, and specifically that work well for Jack? Yeah, I mean, the goal of, of what we were trying to do um, was one, hold our edges, right? Stay on your feet for as long as you can. Um, two, have the ability to arrive like square, like Jack said, not open, right? Try to arrive toes to the puck, you know, hands, the puck, stick, everything, your body. Um, and then also we wanted a, a way to cut back, right? So, so if a guy passes it back, right back, right away, um, or, um, or he cuts, right? Can we move back on our feet as well? Right. So not only are we going there on our feet, but we're going to try and co come back on our feet as well. Um, and so I guess, you know, some of the keys were, were just we played around with with flow and momentum. Um, so on a rush, that backwards flow, um, using that momentum. Um, we talked about going through our anchor. Right. The anchor is kind of like the middle of the crease. Right going through our anchor in order to, to kind of get there. Um, and then just, yeah, I think the last one was, you know, just managing the depth too is making sure we don't get caught too far back. Um, and that's where the anchor comes into play because the anchor allowed you to not open up, but also maintain your depth versus if you rotate too much, you go straight to your post. Now you lose all your depth. Okay. And actually, you know, I should have said this because you, you sent me video, got a chance to look at, describe it, like describe it. Cause everybody, this is audio and I'm an idiot and right. I didn't ask you to describe yeah. it. And people are like, this sounds fascinating. If only that stupid host would have asked him to tell us what it was. I'll let Jack. No, I, <laughs> the way you described it was poetry in motion. I'll let you take this one. Oh, wow. So how would you describe it? Yeah. So the way, the way we looked at it was, what it, I just explained. And so what a goalie does is he, he creates, you know, that backwards motion towards it, the anchor of the crease, which is the middle with a C cut or, you know, yeah, ideally with a C cut. And from there, his upper body starts to face the puck and his lower body follows. And now instead of doing a really long shuffle, you're only doing, a regular shuffle, right? Because you've already found your center. Now you can maintain your whole body together to put yourself in position. I don't know if that helps anything. That yeah, so I was just going to ask like one thing of that C cut, like the reverse C cut as you're flowing backwards, it takes you into the middle. Mm -hmm. Um, 
important, I guess, like it, that you, it puts you on angle and it becomes a bit of a momentum build. Those would be from an outsider observing it. Those would be sort of the two observations. I'm guessing though, that like a lot of guys will get low and wide with that C cut and it takes them to the ice is the key that when you're performing this motion, when I watch the video, you keep your feet under you in this case. A hundred percent. And again, that goes back to the purpose of the move. Um, and that's to keep your edges under you. The, the, pro, the, the most ideal time to use it would be on a two on one. So, you know, instead of sliding or using like a long shuffle, you know, you either lose your edges on a slide or on a shuffle, you're, you widen out. And then that pretty much uh, cancels out the option for a double back door if he's going to push it back. And the great thing about the Bob too is um, it gives me the opportunity um, on the first pass to open up my glove and give the puck a target immediately. So a lot of times on a, like a T-push rotation, before you're actually going, you have to come back and then move. So you're using the momentum of the pivot to first go away from your target and then to the target. The thing about the bob is your feet, is, your feet are always under you. And as soon as you make that decision to push over, your glove and your eyes and your stick are gonna give that puck a target immediately. So let's say it's a quick one-timer, that's fine. My feet are under me, I can just drop right down into a butterfly. Or if you wanna pass it back, that's fine. My feet are under me. So as a whole, the move gave me like a lot of confidence uh, on these high, scoring, uh, these high scoring situations to not only trust my edges, but to just feel like more efficient instead of just sliding over and waiting for a shot or being behind the play. And by keeping the stance somewhat narrow and your feet underneath you as you build that sort of top-down angle with that rotation, like what I see is, like you said, you're, you're, you're squared up early. Um, you're arriving there sort of set and square and on top of the play as opposed to, like you said, whether it's a T-push or even if you were to widen out and make that reverse C-cut, a lot of guys can, the tendency can be to leave the upper body behind. It sounds like one of your keys is getting there in one piece with, as you said, gloves presented and ready to go. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. Any other great like insights or giveaways that you want to give to us? Like we're just like taking notes here. Like I'm creating Kevin Woodley's notebook based on you guys describing some of the things you've come up with to help Jack rise to this level of uh, Mike Richter award winner. Yeah, I mean, like along with that move, we we also played around with with what he said. You know, presenting the puck at target. Right, so actually opening up your blocker to the puck or your glove to the puck, um, which allows it to just kind of be more efficient, be more stable, be ready. So when you actually get there, um, or as you're arriving, you know your hands are already in a position to make a save. I'm going to transition that one, Jack, into gear because presenting your gloves and moving in a way that you keep them presented rather than getting lazy with them requires gloves that present well like you guys both gear guys are you are you gear geeks are you gear guys like how do you talk gear as part of this cuz i mean honestly, i had this this conversation just recently with um with jeff glass as he's transitioning into coaching and he hadn't been a guy that thought a lot about it and yet now as he's coaching like how your gear performs affects how you play like it's important to have 
you know, the anecdote I used with him was we don't all have to be Ichiro Suzuki keeping our, our wooden bats in, you know, temperature and, and, and uh, controlled humidors before we get to the plate. Um, but it's probably good to know how it works with and for your game, no? Yeah, I mean, that's... Carl, Carl's... He probably won't admit it, but I think he's a, he's a gear geek like me. Like, I... Uh, again, there's... Uh, you know, there's certain specs on my pad that, like, I love, like I need, and you know, I'll, I'll tweak year to year. But um, the one thing I'm very uh, peculiar about is my glove. So um, I had this one glove growing up. It was my minor midget year for Don Mills, and probably the best glove I've ever worn. So uh, I pleaded CCM, you know, like what's the closest thing to that? And they were kind enough to kind of recreate that uh, glove. Uh, into the Axis model, um, and I don't know. They th- this glove was so old that like the five ninety, five eighty, and six hundred break wasn't even a thing at the time. So they were like, "We have no like, there's no specs on this thing. Like this is kind of like an outcast piece of equipment." But they recreated it, and ever since, um, it just can kind of it's been my glove. Like it's it just feels like the uh, the original one. So we're going to have a Jack LaFontaine model is what you're telling me. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, I don't know. Now, now CCM is going to be pissed at me because everyone's going to be asking for the LaFontaine spec. Um, but you've also become a bit of a guinea pig. You've, as they've transitioned, they're, they, they've had certain guys, a couple in Europe, yourself, uh, David Riddick, we saw you know, wearing prototypes for next year's model. What's it like to be part of that process and be a guy who's providing feedback on new lines and new innovation. Well, it's it's really cool, and you know the gear they have coming out, it's it's amazing. Like I I, I was a huge fan of the first line of Axis, and then after that they took that first series and they just they made it even better, which I thought was impossible. And you know I don't I don't want to give too much away because I, I don't think they'd appreciate that. But oh, I'd I'd have to hit the beat button on a lot of it if you did. So yeah, it's okay. yeah. But I mean, some of the specs they have coming out are just total game changers. And obviously, I'm wearing a, a prototype right now, and I'm I'm in love with it. Um, you know, it's just for me. I like a, a I like a stiffer pad with a, a more flexible boot, uh, and they've done that with this pad and. Um, you know, obviously they have the speed skin, but they got another secret that I, I guess I can't man- mention. Um, yeah, but uh, it, it's it's an awesome pad. And, um, you know, the guys at CCM, they're, they're awesome, uh, great guys, and uh, they love the feedback. And, uh, you know, I, I just love working with them for, I think it's been about four years since my sophomore season at Michigan. So yeah, you right back to those days where your dad made you go out and basically glorified street hockey gloves to see how bruised you could get and whether you still wanted to play to helping build the next generation of product. Like, have you always been a gear geek? Honestly, no. It was uh, it was Steve Shields that pretty much put it lightly to give my head a shake. Like, you're not gonna, you know, why are you not gonna take a liking to gear? You know, it's it's got to feel a part of you. Um, And ever since then. you know, he's been like, he used to give me like certain gloves. He used to give me like different paddle lengths. He used to, uh, you know, tell me how to wear the glove, like whether to wear it loose, whether to wear it tight. Like he, he would just give me all these options and these avenues until like I found something that just felt right for me. 
that freshman year at Michigan, I, that was probably, that was my first year where I actually got like a custom set of pads. Um, usually I just, you know, buy something like off the shelf at Duke's source for sports. And, uh, I'd put like uh, pad skins on it. And like, again, like Shieldy would like shake his head. He'd be like, are you, are you, are you out of your damn mind? Like you can't do this anymore. Like this is, this is real deal. So, uh, I started off my freshman year in uh, in Vaughn pads. And then halfway through the year, I ordered a pair of CCMs just because they were better tailored to my game and better tailored to my body. Okay. So you mentioned having some little specs that you have to keep. And I trying to remember, I was actually probably saw me frantically Googling. Still got leather straps on there. Is that one of the old school ones you got to keep that uh, you feel like you need those on there? I love the leather straps. I, I do the Lundquist loop. Um, okay. So you put, you put the leather strap, like it's not on the bottom of your skate. It's like actually on the back of your ankle. And uh, I was also, they call these Hulk straps. So they're like, they're not like, uh, like they're not toe strings. Like um, they're like elastic, elastic Velcros that you wrap around your skate. And so it gives you like more ankle mobility, especially in the RVH. And again, like I like a more flexible boot. Like I don't want something where like my ankle feels locked in. I'm, I'm someone that like wants the pad sitting high and want like a lot of mobility for my skate to move around. Okay. Well, I mean, it's okay. I mean, it's okay. Marc-Andre Fleury still got metal buckles and leather straps. It's just always yeah. funny to me in this era where we're trying to cut weight so much that like, you know, a, a set of leather straps and metal buckles can weigh as much as the rest of the pad for crying out loud. Exactly. <laughs> So, Carl, you got to keep an eye on him with the gear, or are you trying to learn from him as he goes? I mean, I think he's he's pretty self sufficient um, as far as my role in that. I just as long as it works, if it works, you like it, good. We're there. Um, but you know, I, I do ask new, I do ask questions, you know, regarding you know maybe new things on the pad and and what it looks like, what it feels like. Do you like it? Do you not like it? What do you like about it? What don't you like about it? Um, so I ask questions, but I don't know how much of a nerd I am with the goalie gear, but apparently well, you got to You got to have some knowledge because I mean, working yeah. with kids at kids at Mega like that becomes a part of the conversation as well, right? Helping oh, helping yeah. them find their game by finding the right gear. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like you know, kids have to make sure you got to make sure that they're wearing the right things, right paddle length and, um, you know, glove you can close and especially for little kids and, you know, pads are, you know, the right size and, and that sort of stuff. So. Okay, guys. Uh, I can't, I just looked down to see how long we've been talking. It's way longer than I promised, which I know I'm kind of famous for. So I apologize. I, I do have one last one because it wouldn't be an in-goal podcast without one last question. Um, I got to say though, like between the technique and the get, like there are so many little threads that I want to keep pulling on here. So you, you're going to regret giving me your emails pretty soon. Cause I'll be following up here and asking, especially seeing how we have a guy who's taking journalism. I'm practically going to make Jack write stories for me at this point. So Absolutely. I'll have my, an internship by next summer. <laughs> you just got to hit, hit block. Feel free to hit block on my number anytime, Jack. Um, next year, how excited are you, are you for next year coming off this one? And um, that decision, um, could have turned pro you've, you've had quite a path to development to here. Was there any thought towards that? And what made you want to come back and, and finish it off, uh, at the university of 
Minnesota? Well, I mean, personally for me, I've, been, I've only been a college starter for a year and a half. Um, so that, that played a large role in it. You know, I, I've always been someone to trust my gut. And my gut was telling me that there's no such thing as being overprepared. And for me, I knew that if I have Carl in my corner, that I can take another large jump in my development. Um, I'm say, saying that I'm not going to you know, rely on Carl for that. There has to be a lot of self-initiative there. But um, you know, mentally and emotionally, I'm in a place where um, not only am I fortunate enough to you know, play a lot of games at the Division One level, but I have a goalie coach that is right there with me that's you know, working with me every day and that's in my corner fighting for me. But, um, you know, I just trust my gut. My gut was telling me to stay for another year. You know, a lot of the guys that have made that jump uh, to pro, whether it was, you know, Jeremy Swayman, uh, even Spencer Knight, you know, they, they had a ton more games than, I, than I, I have had up to this point in my college career. And I just felt like there are parts of my game I love and there are other parts of my game that need a lot more work. And, um, you know, I had to do a lot of self-reflection and look beyond the numbers, look beyond the stats. And, um, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done. So this is my summer of revenge, if you will. Well, I, I, that's, uh, I mean, a lot of self-awareness there, Jack. Um, Carl, were you part of that conversation? If you guys don't mind, like, what are those things that you're focusing on going to this year? Because like you said, it, it sounds like it, it's just, human nature for both of you. But if you're not getting better, you're kind of falling behind when in a position that evolves so quickly. So what are some of the things? Are they on the ice mostly or they're, you know, you, you mentioned earlier in this, and I forgot to follow up, like Mean Street. You mentioned me, like, is it also just more experience and more managing the emotions in new moments, bigger moments over one more season? I honestly think it's 50-50. Um, you know, the the emotional and mental aspect of the, the game, I'm never going to stop learning about, right? Like that's just something as goalies, as we get older, I think uh, you find new ways to manage and cope with stress and stress and pressure. And um, for me, for the most part, I, I felt like I did a good job this year, but um, there's certain areas in the season where it was mental fatigue or if it was frustration where um, I still, I still have a lot of growing to do. Um, as a goalie, as a human being, as a teammate. And there's work that I do um, away from the ice, whether it's, you know, meeting with the sports psychologist, uh, whether it's doing some reading, Carl's given me uh, the mental, the hockey tough book that I'm slowly working my way towards. You know, that's just, you know, the tip of the iceberg. And then obviously the technical side, uh, that's what summers are for. So Carl and I meet every Tuesday, Thursdays, uh, and we have a good group there. And then Fridays we do like a little power skate. Uh, so no pucks and, uh, he pretty much works you to the bone. Uh, last Friday was my first power skating and, uh, uh, yeah, I was pretty much on my, uh, hands and knees by the end of that one. Carl, what, any thoughts on, on this next year and moving forward and, uh, how tough is power skating? And like, we're just going to keep going here. Power skating, like, uh, no pucks, how much of it is not just in the crease? Like we, we focus so much on crease movement, but how important is it as a goaltender, whether it's to facilitate puck handling or anything else to be able to skate um, beyond just crease movements? 
Um, which one would you like me to answer first next year or power skating? <laughs> Let's do power skating and then we can wrap on next year because if we don't wrap soon, I'll never wrap. You know this. Um, yeah. So, I mean, every Friday, you know, we have at mega, we have three different groups. We have the girls group. We got, uh, the junior group and then what we call the pro group, which is the college guys, uh, and above. And so every Friday we have all the goalies come. Like if you want to come, come, if you don't fine, but Here's the ice. You know, we could have 10 goalies. We could have 30 goalies. Um, so obviously none of it is crease movement. Um, but we just, all it is, is just um, an hour to really get, get skating down, right? Whether it's edge work, whether it's power moves uh, with the bands, whether it's, you know, balance, footwork. Um, and we do add some puck handling there. We always try to finish with the game because it's fun and, and you know these guys get really competitive and it's fun to watch i mean i don't know if you saw my story from two weeks ago uh we had a, <laughs> a little relay race where we had the the goalies push the pucks with their forehead from blue line to red line <laughs> and uh goalies hated it i found it comical um but you know, at the end of the day, they're all competitors. So regardless what the drill is, they're going to, they're going to work towards, towards winning. And then that's what, you know, that's what keeps it fun. Right. And to wrap it up, I promise next year. Yeah. Next year. I mean, I'm really excited, you know, either way I was supportive of, of Jack. If you wanted to come back, great. Let's, let's do it again. Let's do it better. Um, and if he left, you know, that was fine too. Right. At the end of the day, it's his decision, his and his only. Right. Um, and he confines with who, whoever he wants, whether it's his family, uh, myself, the coaches, um, you know, his girlfriend, his buddies, whatever. Right. It's his decision. And, and I support whatever he does. You know, like there's a lot of questions of, Oh, why didn't Jack go? Why didn't Jack go? I'm like, I don't know. You ask Jack. <laughs> don't ask me. Um, it's, it's his life and, and whatever he, he decides to do, I'm okay with. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Um, I'm really excited. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of big moments in, in your career and in life. And that's one of them, right? So to have the awareness to say, Hey, I'm not ready. And, and I think that I can stay here and make sure that when I arrive, I'm, you know, in the NHL, I'm ready to go. And if that's what he feels like, then great. Uh, one more example of the great relationship that you two have built there. Uh, looking forward to watching more success there next year, guys. Um, really appreciate both of you taking almost an hour and 20 minutes. We're going to set a record here, but that's how much I enjoyed the conversation. I didn't want it to stop. So uh, thank you. Thanks, guys, for taking this hour out of uh, out of your summer to, to sort of fill us in on on the path to here and all the exciting moments and, and developments that have gotten you guys to this level and everything that's ahead. Yeah. Well, thanks for having us. It was, it was a lot of fun and maybe we could break some records on the podcast. Doing yeah. it a few more times. Thank you very much, Kevin. Good stuff. Uh, Carl, uh, and uh, want to learn and get to know Carl a little bit better on future episodes. I'm not giving anybody assignments or anything, but uh, but that's uh, a guy that uh, we can lean on. Uh, 
especially with his background and what he's been able to do in the goaltending world. And Jack, uh, uh, Carolina draft pick, uh, Carolina's done a nice job uh, with with their selections of goaltenders. They've got uh, a good young stable right now, Woody. Yeah, led by Ned, who um, you know we've had on the podcast recently. Congratulations to him too. We right. forgot about that. Um, finished third in the Calder voting, so so Calder Trophy finalist, but also the you know the the all rookie team in his first year, first full year in the National Hockey League. That's a major accomplishment. So congrats to Ned. Uh, we're actually going to hook up with Ned in the next little while to do some pro reads. So keep an eye out for that at ingoldmag.com. Some fresh goalie voices and some fresh pro reads are on the way. Um, yeah, they've done a they have done a nice job. I'm. I'm not even going to try and say the name of the young Russian who was at the World Juniors here in Vancouver the other couple of years ago that they drafted here in Vancouver too in the third round. But I know they're really excited about him, uh, as a lot of people are. And, you know, just it's all about having that pipeline, right? So you don't have to. They're the prime example, right? They haven't locked into a guy at any point here. It's all about sort of making sure they have other, you know, options. And they've done a nice job of making sure, you know, starting with Ned. Now, it looks like they're going to have a steady stream of internal options rather than having to go out on the market to find them. So there's an opportunity there. And, uh, and good on you, uh, Woody, for kind of turning it around. Well, at least you stopped the descent uh, into gloominess. Uh, I wouldn't say you're Mr. <sighs> Bubbly right now, but, but you're not as crusty as you were at the start of the episode. I was smiling the whole time. Like I had my flower smile on. I just happened. I just had Did a somebody few break I had to get your warm up stick. Is that what happened? Oh, you guys are going to love our upcoming gear segment on the Warrior line because we it might, was we, awesome. We do talk a little bit about warm up sticks. And guess what? Clowns. Cam has my back on this one. Yeah. Oh, blind leading the blind. Well yeah. done, boys. From the guy that wants to sell warm up sticks. Like, yeah, that's right. Come on. Okay. Uh, I'm yeah, seeing where Cam's coming from. Good point. <laughs> Although uh, it, it's not a bad thing. Like a practice stick or a warm-up stick are not bad things, uh, especially for parents. Like go out there, beat that thing up, and then uh, use your, your good one for the games. I see the benefit in that. Although when you're Woody and you're trying to sell it to me, I'm a little bit on the other side. You guys just yeah. like give me a hard time. Yes. Let's be honest. Like, like the hardest part is like, and when I have my little Woody fits and I want to smash it over the crossbar, I got to go to the bench and grab the cheap one. <laughs> As a parent, it made total sense to me yeah. because using that lower price point stick for the warm up makes a lot of sense. But in Woody's case, he probably plays on one of those teams where nobody hits the net. So who cares who if he cares? even has a stick in the warm up? And yeah, what I, you know what I need? I need I need a Woody I need a Woody warm up helmet, and it's got to be bubble wrap for all the like. Like just a giant like space helmet for all the guys that just ring it off my bean for warm up. I don't know too many goalies that even take two sticks out for their men's league game. And what I would end up doing is forgetting my stick on the bench and get halfway home and go ah, drive back to the <laughs> rink. So that that's that would be my issue with it. Whoa, hold on! As much as we wanted to wrap this episode, what the hell do you do when you break a stick? Then borrowed one from a guy at the other end I'd never met before yeah, once. I'd done that too. Absolutely done that. And it was this, uh, the, the guy was a southpaw. And so the curve went against me. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. But How'd it go? Still played. 
It was fine. Yeah. And you guys give me a hard time for actually having an extra stick. Yeah. I'm starting to I'm starting to win this argument, boys. I don't even need Cam uh, on my side. Too bad we got to go. Uh, I got to wrap up this episode. Uh, I'd love to stay in chat, uh, Woody, but uh, time times are our enemy right now on the podcast world. Uh, thanks to uh, Carl, Jack, uh, Cam, and uh, and you, the listener, uh, for being on this journey. One twenty six. Uh, that's amazing. Still uh, racking my brain about. Uh, how impressive that is and how many people we've uh, brought to you and been able to share in this uh, this journey that is goaltending. So on behalf of Kevin Woodley and David Hutchison, I'm Darren Millard. Thanks for listening. We'll chat with you next week on In Goal Radio, the podcast. 